0: Warm-up's not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. <laughs> I have to care to expand on that. Oh, I just woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kamehamehabian. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Wherever you guys find a podcast, pretty much, just give us a five star review. We really appreciate that. It lets us know how we're doing, and we just, you know, makes us easier to find on any of those platforms. Hey, I'm your host today. I'm going solo, which is an interesting day. Um, Jack's uh, off doing something else, and. It's just going to be a fun podcast. It's just going to be me talking about West Virginia, talking about the Kansas State game, and then I have a lot of your questions to answer. Should be fun. Um, all right, so let's, let's dive right into it. Oklahoma, Memorial Field, this past uh, Saturday, and Norman, they were, I believe, 35-point favorites, which is you know five touchdowns against any opponent is a massive line, and they actually cover that against the Mountaineers. They went 52 to 14. There's really not a lot to say here, guys. I mean, it was just a Saturday. Um, you know, it, nothing special really happened. West Virginia wasn't highly touted. They weren't ranked. Um, there were a couple scrums on the field as far as players getting in each other's faces, and you know how it is usually with West Virginia. And other than that, it was just. Pretty like a forgetful Saturday. I n- I know I say that, and the Sooners just blew out the the Mountaineers. But really, just a forgetful Saturday. Uh, you forget that kind of game happened, which is good. I mean, it means Oklahoma is taking care of business. Like no, there's no close calls. Um, the the only storyline was Austin Kendall making his return to Norman, in which he was highly ineffective, and quite honestly, the West Virginia Mountaineers were highly ineffective. That believe they. Rushed the ball thirty something times for you know barely over fifty yards. So Oklahoma's run defense was stout, and the Mountaineers had three hundred something yards on the day. And you know that's that's something to be. It's was it yeah three hundred yards on the day or two hundred something yards on the day. That's something to be very excited about. Where the defense is taking care of business, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and uh, they're just getting better. And they're not being satisfied. That's the main point: is not being satisfied. Um, The defense was a dominant. I mean, as we all saw versus Texas, the defense looked incredible. You know, nine sacks, 15 tackles for loss, and Oklahoma had several tackles for loss against West Virginia, but at the same time, they rushed three or four guys very often. They played kind of safe against West Virginia. Um, Not a lot of pressure on the quarterback. No sacks against Austin Kendall after what we saw against Sam Ellinger, so very interesting there. It was very intriguing about, you know, you saw those nine sacks against Texas, and also in Oklahoma, they're just rushing three. And a lot of that was just the way they were playing the game. As far as defense, they, uh, West Virginia tested them deep the most out of any opponent this year, which they, they manned up and made some plays on the ball. At the same time, Austin Kendall made a couple of mistakes. You know, like that fourth down uh, fourth down call when he had a wheel route to the... Running back wide open and uh, just couldn't hit the guy. It just he threw it at the ground. Otherwise, it was a walk-in touchdown. But really, the defense played well. I mean, if you look up and you say it's it's like it's like a basketball game. Um, since basketball starts tonight, let's just use that analogy. It's like a basketball game and having a guy like a Kawhi Leonard who's also playing and. He, you know, they're doing a lot of things on the court, or they you, you see their name pop up several times, but you don't realize how effective they were until you see the box score, and that's kind of what you do with this defense. The defense during the game, you're like man, you know, not that bad. I mean, they had a pump block for a touchdown. That was probably the most exciting part of the game, right? Besides the uh, Isaac Stoops, uh, Drake Stoops, excuse me, Drake Stoops catching a couple of balls, and the crowd getting the L Stoops a few times. Um. Really, nothing exciting. And then you look at the box score and you look at the team stats after the game. And you think, "Oh my gosh, that was a dominating perfor- dominating performance." You know, West Virginia. It was 28 to fourteen at half, and then Oklahoma just comes out for the rest of the game and kills them fifty two to fourteen. They just let nothing happen after the first half. So, a forgettable Saturday, but a good Saturday. Oklahoma takes care of business like they should, and we win fifty two to fourteen. But let's talk about more at hand this week. Is the Oklahoma versus Kansas State game? The Sooners travel to Manhattan. It's going to be another 11 a.m. kickoff on ABC, I believe. Oklahoma right now is a 23 and a half point favorite, and that's kind of that's kind of significant because the Kansas State Wildcats they have been very very good this year as far as their defense, their offense. That there's a lot to be des- left to be desired there, but their defense has been actually pretty stout regardless of who they're playing. Whether it's OSU, who, as we've seen, they have, have their own problems or problems. That's problems without a B. When you say they have problems, that's no bueno. And then, of course, they held uh, Baylor to also 20-something points. So, you know, uh, Kansas State defense, they're very high in efficiency, and they're just your typical Kansas State team. So just, they're legit good. They're like any KSU team. They're very, very disciplined. They execute what they know the best. Um, they will do what they do best 100% throughout the game, and they will not waver. And that's just how Kansas State teams have been since Snyder's been there. I mean, you have that weird Ron Prince era where they were just garbage and they relied a lot on Juco players, and then Snyder came back and they got back to their ways, and then maybe not as effectively, of course, but, I mean, Snyder ball is Snyder ball, and Chris Kleiman is there, and he's turning it into what we thought Kansas State was all about, and he's actually going to recruit, and, you know, he's not going to rest on his laurels. When I was in the elevator with uh, Jack, of course, at Big 12 Media Days, we are also in the elevator with some Kansas State officials, and we were also in the elevator with Joel Clatt, who is a very big Sooner fan or friend of the Sooners, you might say. And he uh, was talking about the hire of Chris Kleiman over at Kansas State, and he said, you know, how's it going over there in Manhattan to the Kansas State officials? And you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, this climbing guy—he's the most on-brand Kansas State coach to ever have been hired at Kansas State after Snyder. He is like, it, it, it's a it's a changing of the it's a switching of the torch. I mean, this is the most on-brand thing you could have asked for. And I remember when Kansas State hired him, people were upset. I think I think Kansas State fans wanted a spread guy. And um, they hired Kleiman and people were just like, more of the same BS. And I'm thinking, great, more of the same Kansas State stuff. And this Kleiman guy comes in with winning many national titles at North Dakota State. So he knows what success looks like at the highest point of his division of college football, where he came from, and he knows what to get out of players, and he knows how to recruit those those fringe guys that end up being you know superstars in the NFL. He's had several people at North Dakota State go D1, to go, go D1, but... Go to the NFL and have lots of success. Carson Wentz has a Super Bowl. And um, that's not to say Carson Wentz has been that amazing since, but, you know, he, he's he's produced several guys from North Dakota State, and I thought that was amazing. And the Kansas State officials are like, oh, yeah, very on brand, very about family, very about everything else. And the guys in Kansas State are buying into the message, and you can tell 100% they are buying into the message. And they're getting the Wildcats to being back to being super respectable. I'm not talking about the respectable as far as, like, Oh, they'll win seven games. I'm talking about Kleiman's going to get these guys back to winning nine games regularly. Um, I feel that way in my heart, in my bones. Everything else tells me that way. I mean, you have a, a slew of new coaches in the Big 12, Matt Campbell, Matt Rule, who are just doing gr- great and wonders at work. Kleiman's going to be another great one. Uh, don't know about Matt Wells at Texas Tech, but they're playing a lot better defense, and once they get Alan Bowman back, they'll probably be serviceable. Uh, Neil Brown, who sounds like you know West Virginia, is on track to be a little bit better than he perceived in the Big 12 media days when he basically told fans to have low expectations for them. You have Tom Herman, who's somewhat new at Texas, and of course Texas is Texas. Lincoln Riley is, of course, great with with Oklahoma. So a turning of the guard really in the in the Big 12, and Mike Gundy's the old soul. Gary Patterson is the old soul here. And uh, you just have a bunch of teams becoming legit. So that that makes me think, you know, is the Big 12 becoming a legit conference again back in the early 2000s where Oklahoma was dominant on the national scene? And Oklahoma, did they leave for a minute under Bob Stoops? Yeah, but did Bob Stoops hire Lincoln Riley? Did he fire Josh Heupel? By the way, if you haven't read his book, no excuses. It's a really good read. Um, I I, I got to reread it again. And there's a lot of things that might frustrate you as a Sooner fan or somebody that follows the Sooners. Uh, for example, him saying that the hardest thing he had Bob Soup saying he had ever had to do is fire Josh Heupel And him having a conversation with Lou Holtz. And Lou Holtz said to recruit, develop, and eliminate. And Bobby was really confused as far as like what do you mean by eliminate? Because recruit and develop meaning, you know, recruit the best talent, develop the develop the best best talent. And Bob said, Well, well Lou, what's what what do you mean by eliminate? And um Lou Holtz mentions that you need to eliminate people that are dragging your program down. So, of course, Josh Heupel would be very hard to let go. I mean, he is Stoopsie's, you know, Heisman runner-up. He's the guy that got him a national title besides that great defense he had in 2000. But he's he's with a captain. and uh, But, you know, he took out Heupel, and he didn't do the ultimate, you know, sacrifice. He didn't do the ultimate letting go of somebody that was holding the team back, as we can now see, which is Mike Stoops. Uh, but anyways... The thing back to Bob's book as well, uh, a really big positive and something that, you know, might make you somewhat like you know, shed a tear or maybe some, make you be sentimental about Bob Stoops is he made it a point to have a chapter in his book about the children's hospital. And that was really, really cool. Um, really, really respect that. Really think that was awesome. But anyways, sorry, back to Kansas State and back to the conference as a whole. Oklahoma, they kind of left the national scene, and they got back with a Bill Bedenboe and Lincoln Riley and, um, and of course, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and they're back there competing for not— they're, they're not just competing for big deal titles. They are de facto best in the conference. They're trying to compete for national titles, so they are back in the national scene. Hello, you—three of the last four years, you've made it to the semifinals, and that's not good enough for Oklahoma. Oklahoma isn't a brand that says, oh, great— We made it to the semifinals. No, that's not the Oklahoma brand. The Oklahoma brand is we want national titles every year. At least that's what the brand should be. And if that is not the brand, uh, that's a cancerous mindset to the University of Oklahoma Athletics because that's what Sooner fans should be expecting every year. That's what the mindset and the goal should be every year is win a national title. Look at all of the things on the wall. And then, of course, you have Texas who they're special um you know they just won a sugar bowl and they think they're amazing and you almost lose the Kansas and uh but hey so in that sugar bowl which sounds very familiar to me especially if you're a Sooner fan you know having a bad year after you win a sugar bowl just just focus on the sugar bowl but anyways Baylor Matt Rule turning that program around really good uh really respectful Matt Rule is 100% a football guy great guy great, great guy for a program like Baylor Same for Matt Campbell at Iowa State, football guy again, um, comes from Mount Union where they won several national titles along with Alex Grinch, another massive football guy, I mean if you look side by side with Matt Campbell and Alex Grinch and how they talk and how they go about their business, uh, these guys are 100% football guys, 100% uh, respectful, guys that respect the game, guys that are about the game, and Matt Campbell boosting up Iowa State, who has the third largest stadium in the Big 12. Not many many people know that. So you have OU, Texas, Baylor, Iowa State, OSU, Mike Gundy. They're having issues right now, but they'll be fine in the long run unless Mike Gundy leaves. Kansas State on the way to becoming very respectful opponents. I mean, I think the Big 12 might be on the uptick, and I think they may be the second best conference in the United States. I mean, like what? You have the SEC, who's pretty good when you have guys at the top. I mean, but realistically, like, Look who they have! They have Florida, who I think is the world's biggest fraud. Georgia, who is also kind of yuck at the at the moment. I mean, they almost they lost to, of course, South Carolina. They played Kentucky, who has no quarterback, and won twenty-one nothing, and it was a really shady score. Um, LSU was good. There's no getting around that. Alabama's great. No getting around around that. Auburn's okay. And you might even say this year's a down year for the SEC because even Alabama has flaws. The next best conference, is it the Big 12? You could say that. I mean, you look at the Big 10, and they have Ohio State who's looked really good, but they haven't really played anybody. Michigan is a dumpster fire like we all thought they would be. Harbaugh's going to get fired. He's going to get canned so quick. Penn State looked okay. Um, you know, there's, there's not a lot happening in that conference. Wisconsin lost to Illinois, and Illinois hasn't been a ranked opponent in so long, so... You might even say the Big 12 is the second-best conference in the United States, and after next year, you might even say they're the best conference in the United States. It's weird to say that, but, you know, the team's taking steps forward. Really big for the Big 12 as overall in general. But anyways, getting back to the Manhattan, getting back to the Sooners, the last time the Sooners went there, it was an interesting time, and we'll talk about that in a second. But Oklahoma, in order to beat the Kansas State Wildcats in Manhattan at 11 a.m., they're going to have to minimize mistakes um, in order to be successful, especially because after this coming week, it's a bye week championship November. Oklahoma hasn't been 7-0 since 2004. They are ER 7-0 right now. In order to let not have any letdowns, you need to get better each week in Oklahoma. As Lincoln Riley has basically said, he hasn't said it verbally, but it's very clear with his body language. It's very clear with what he said that he is not satisfied with the way Jalen Hurts is playing. And I'm, by no means that I'm, am I saying he thinks Jalen Hurts is garbage or anything. I'm saying he knows Jalen Hurts has a lot of room to grow, and he knows the offense has a lot of room to grow, which is good. And Oklahoma, in general, to have an undefeated season that they want and to get into the culture football playoff and get a no, number one, two, or three seed, or really a one or two seed, you want, home, you want that, that advantage. They will have to minimize mistakes. And... Because Kansas State, they're a team that they try to make you beat yourself. And if you, you know, the, tech, the Texas game, Jalen Hurts. Kansas State's defense is good enough to where if Jalen Hurts does make those mistakes, those two interceptions or one interception and one fumble, um, and possibly another interception in ends up for Jalen, but luckily it ended up in three points, that they can make you pay, especially in Manhattan, Kansas. You cannot have mistakes against a Kansas State team they will 100% make you pay all the time, and they will kill the clock. West Virginia tried to kill the clock versus the OU, but the defense is too good. And West Virginia's offense wasn't that great, and their defense was awful. Whereas Kansas State, now their offense not that great. Nothing to brag home about, but their defense is more than respectable for the Sooners. As Jalen Hurts says, they do a lot of things on defense that Oklahoma's going to have to get better during this, during this week. Summing that is going to have to take for the Sooners to be successful in Manhattan this Saturday is that Oklahoma's going to have to get downhill on the Wildcats. By that I mean on defense, they're going to have to get downhill and force tackles for loss because if you guys remember back to 2017, Oklahoma got down to to Kansas State early. And since the defense wasn't doing them any favors, Baker Mayfield had to engineer a second-half comeback and Rodney Anderson. I mean, Oklahoma at the time, if you guys remember... Oklahoma was trying to get positioned for the for a field goal to I think win the game by like three points or win it for by one. I don't know. It was a close game. That's all I remember. It was a Kansas it was a, it was a it was a midday game, I believe. I think it was a three PM kickoff or something like that. And Oklahoma's trying to get field position and Rodney Anderson has the ball. He's running left, he breaks a couple tackles in the backfield, and you're thinking, oh my God, we're about to lose yards on this, and Austin Cybert's going to have to come on and win this game, and the next thing you know, Rodney Anderson just he, he just keeps on running left, and he finally hits the edge of the of the offensive line and takes off upfield, and the next thing you know, he's in the end zone dancing, and the Kansas State fans are shocked as hell. Hell, I'm shocked as well. I'm like, wow, that really just happened, so. But the, the reason why that was there is because Oklahoma cannot figure out that Kansas State offense. Now, are we working with a better defense this time around? Yes. Are we working with a better coaching this time around? Yes. Are we working with better players that are co- better coached, that know their assignments much better this time around? Yes. And lastly, are we working with, as far as the Sooners, Coach Alex Grinch, Ryan Odom, Callum Thibodeau, Roy Manning, are they working with guys That understand their scheme and understand their roles better. Yes, with the one gap scheme, that's going to help the Sooners so much. Instead of because here's here here was part of the issue last time. Because Kansas State they love running the ball, they love getting downhill, and if you are just if you're two gapping and you are holding up the line, um, and Kansas State just like Army is there just to punish you up front, just get in your face and get in your grill and try to push you back. Uh, you've already lost. You need to get up field and get them in a negative yardage plays, and that's what the Sooners are planning on doing this Saturday. And with the emergence of Neville Gallimore and a lot of other young guys, Ronnie Perkins is really coming on into his second year. You have Jalen Redmond, who he's been kind of quiet for the past couple of games, and but you have Marcus uh, Marcus Stripling, who's showing up. David Agwebu who has been uh d- a decent in his action against West Virginia, because the uh, non contact injury that ended John Michael Terry's uh, year. You also have Nick Benito, who's been decent. You know, he'll set the edge. You have LaRon Stokes. Marquise Overton is having a fantastic year. Dylan Falmatau is having a decent year. So you have a lot of guys. That, oh, and, and uh, Jordan Kelly is back. And I think he'll get a lot of time this week, actually. And well, maybe you don't get a lot of time, but I think he'll get time this week. And then after the bye, I think you'll see Jordan Kelly get plenty of playing time after the bye week, 100%. I think you'll see Jordan Kelly get plenty of playing time in the middle, and he thought, was thought to be a, d- a decent nose tackle to replace Overton A after this year ends, not Overton, excuse me, Gallimore after this year ends, but also to spell Gallimore as well. So it's good to have a difference of lines that's incredibly disruptive, and that's, what's, that's what it's going to take. Oh, and I forgot Kenneth Mann, too, so that's a, that's a long list, and it's going to be very good to see Oklahoma one-gap that thing, Get downhill because I think they can be very disruptive against Kansas State. And I think forcing Kansas State and because Oklahoma, they are one of the leaders in the nations in, you know, third down conversions as far as keeping the offense off the field. And uh, you know, that that's, that's something to be excited about. That's something to be proud about. And we'll see how this goes. Um, how I see the game playing out, it's gonna be uh it'll be a you know, a game that Kansas State goes out and tries to, to muck it up. What I mean by that is that they're going to try to dirty up the game, ground and pound, maybe try to force a turnover to two, not maybe, try to force a turnover or two, and really just kill the clock, kill the clock, kill the clock, keep Jalen Hurts off the field, uh, blitz, try to get this guy you know, off the field with his arm, keeping a spy on Jalen. They're going to try to muck this game up as much as possible and i think it's what it's going to be like because when you play Kansas State in Manhattan in the little apple you know they have a good fan base they're loyal not many people know this their 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 logo the wildcats actually heavily based off of the Iowa Hawkeye logo when Snyder um, had all of his stuff from Iowa and he goes to Kansas State look at the two logos they look very similar in their designs but anyways they have a very loyal fan base and that's something that isn't going to go away, and I feel like the Kansas State Wildcats will be very successful mucking it up. I mean, they did against Baylor, they did against Oklahoma State. Now, of course, Oklahoma's top 13 defensive SP, the number one in the nation in offense, SP plus. I can say that all day, oh yeah, they're going to muck it up, and Oklahoma still is the number one offense in that nation. And the offensive line is actually coming around, and Swenson's getting healthier, Ely's getting healthier, Creed Humphrey's finally starting to come into his own. I believe that's part and due to, to Marquise Hayes being on his left and Tyrese Robinson being on his right, having great linemen to really back him up, and that's really really important. So, score prediction: Oklahoma. I'll go with Oklahoma 38, Kansas State 24. Uh, that does not cover the spread, and but I believe Oklahoma scores nearly 40, but I think Kansas State's going to be able to score. They're going to be they're going to be at home. It's going to be an early game. I mean. If Kansas, before their change of the offensive coordinator, can drop 20 on Oklahoma, which should have been 21 in Lawrence, I think Kansas State's going to be able to drop 24. So we'll see what happens. But here's the thing. People are going to be like, oh man, you keep on doubting this team or you keep on like taking the under on, on the line on this team. Well, here's the deal. I'm never really satisfied with Oklahoma's performances. Now, with the Texas performance, was I satisfied with the defense? Oh, hell yeah. how can you not be but there are things to grow from the offense after watching the the West Virginia game the offense just they just did what they wanted to but the defense I mean there's still mistakes that are being made just they're playing guys that aren't able to capitalize on them and that's going to be something that Oklahoma's going to have to fix heading into November because I mean you have Iowa State coming up you have Oklahoma State you have at you go to Baylor and lastly, I mean, it's TCU, but you know, TCU hasn't been anything to brag about. But regardless, teams in November are going to show you what this Oklahoma squad is actually about. And by the time Oklahoma plays Baylor, they probably will be undefeated. And it'll be a ranked game. And it'll be maybe college game day. It'll be an evening game 100%. If it's not, that's a travesty. And by the time Oklahoma plays Iowa State, Iowa State should be ranked as well. And I think Iowa State's ranked right now. And if Oklahoma State ever gets their crap together, they might be ranked 2. So we'll see how that plans out. But my deal is, I keep on doubting the, doubting the team because I want them to show me. And they have shown me weekly improvement on offense, especially the offensive line, which will carry the team as far as it will go, and the defense, which has made leaps and bounds. But Alex Grinch is still pissed. He's still not happy with the amount of turnovers that they're they're, they're not being forced. I mean, and it they said, he said today in the presser, they cannot stress any more the amount of turnovers. Like he said they're doing literally everything in practice that they can do to stress turnovers. They cannot stress it any more than they already are, which tells me it's just, you know, guys like Kenneth Murray saying they they gotta make it happen. They gotta take it personal. And I understand that. So I'm in the matter of a show me moment on this defense, on this offense, on this team in general. Show me you are improving, in which they are and they'll have to keep on making those improvements to be undefeated by the end of the season, or at least by the Big 12 title game. About to send you guys to break. Um, What's after this break is I asked for Twitter questions, and my goodness, this is the most I've ever had. I got like 17, 18, uh, about 20, 20 total uh, tweets and Discord messages toward me, and I really appreciate all those things. But hey, I'm going to send you to break right after I'll answer those questions, and we'll shut this thing down. All right, y'all, Twitter question time. I'm so excited. Thank you guys again for your messages, your tweets, your whatever. I appreciate all of you guys for sending them in. I'm sure some of them are inappropriate, but hey, that's the way we live life, and that's all natural, and I love it. So we'll have to do this some other time, uh, good times. Anyways, first up is Chris Godfrey, at Godfrey 4 says, In recent years, besides the one blowout, Manhattan has had some crazy good games between the Cats and the Sooners. Two weeks ago, I was not concerned at all. Then they beat TCU. Do you foresee this game being close? So like I said 38-24, to 24, the Sooners in favor uh, in favor of the Sooners over the Wildcats. And, you know, 38-24 makes it seem kind of close. And, I mean, I'm going to – yeah, I'll say that 38-24, people will not be satisfied with that victory over the, over the Wildcats. And I think they'll be deemed close because it'll be – you know, a game that people believe that the Sooners are better than the Wildcats. Not just better, but significantly better, especially on offense and defense. But just the way Kansas State plays ball, I think it'll be a close game in general. That's how they do things. But we'll see what happens. I, I feel like it's being close if 14 points is close. The next question comes from at Papa underscore Mo 16. He says, what is our great greatest weakness as of right now, and how do we handle it when we get into the bigger teams later? Oklahoma's greatest weakness right now are, are two things, and I might catch flack for one of them. Let's go with the most obvious one, defensive backfield. Um, really, that's only the weakness on the team right now when your defensive backs, because what Oklahoma's been doing, and it's been successful, is that... The defensive line is getting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, uh, most notably Sam Ellinger. and it's making you know cornerbacks like Parnell Motley, Trey Brown, Jaden Davis, and safeties like Delarian Turner, Yell and Patrick Fields make them look good. And it's not that these guys aren't playing aren't aren't playing well, but it's making these guys look even better. It's making it's making them have even better years, and um, it, it's 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 good. But and they're actually looking for the ball, but uh, it's still the glaring issue. And we'll see how far they've come when the Oklahoma plays Oklahoma State and Baylor most often, really, most notably. We thought we were going to see that against Texas, but, you know, they killed Sam Elliott in the backfield all day. So that's going to be an issue until we see, you know, them develop. Of course, Oklahoma's getting pass interference penalties, which Alex Grinch kind of likes. He says the defense is being physical. If you're not getting pass interference penalties, if you're not getting your hands on the receiver, you're not doing your job right, which makes any Oklahoma fan just kind of like, their eyes flutter for a second like oh my my goodness like that's not the way Mike Stoops was Mike Stoops would be cussing you out and, the, and Alex just runs a totally different style of you know mentoring he doesn't really cuss at the guys call them MFers and stuff like that and like uh, Alex Grinch will teach you and yell at you and he'll yell at you for really 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 dumb mistakes but he's there to mentor you and he's still figuring out that defensive side of the ball but they are getting better Now, something else that not not many people are going to gripe about that I gripe about is Jalen Hurts. I know. He's a Heisman candidate. I know. He's been sensational this year. The offense is still number one. Barry Trammell, Big 12 Media Day, said, Well, Lincoln, when Oklahoma's offense takes a dip, how are you going to make up for that? And Lincoln Riley said, "Uh, We don't plan on taking a dip. And everybody kind of scoffed, like, Okay, Lincoln, you're not going to take a dip. There's still number damn one in the country on offense. Like, jeez. But I do have a gripe about Jalen Hurts, which is his reads are a little slow. And if you look go back go back and look at the West Virginia game, here's a prime example. His first touchdown pass to Jeremiah Hall. It was great. He scrambled to the right, threw on the run, uh, not across his body, thank God. And it was a wide open pass to Jeremiah Hall. Well, you freeze that frame and go back a couple of frames. He has Jeremiah Hall wide open up the seam in the middle of the defense. And it's the same thing you've seen with with Demetri Flowers. Right up the middle, you toss that ball, and it's a touchdown. Easy walk-in. Well, Jalen Hurts didn't go through his progressions fast enough, so he has to scramble out, right? Jeremiah Hall, realizing what's happened, goes to the corner of the end zone, still gets wide open, catches the touchdown pass. Jalen's still learning. And as I said earlier, Lincoln Riley acknowledges that Jalen has quite a bit to learn and quite a bit to improve on just with the offense in general. Another problem with my about Jalen Hurts is that he throws the ball maybe a second, a second and a half late, which is going to maybe cause him issues against better defenses like Iowa State, TCU, Kansas State, and like bigger boys. And we're talking about if Oklahoma gets the cultural playoff, Clemson, Alabama, LSU. Don't know who's going to make it out of there, but... Um, you know, throwing it and not reading through your progressions fast enough, you know, a two-second slate might cause coma, some severe issues. Uh, but for the time being, I'm just going to lay off on that. And But those are some frustrations, and not really frustrations, but those are some things to be mindful of because, you know, Jalen Hurts, he's great. Is he going to get invited to New York, especially if he keeps on playing like this? I mean, the man was 16 and 17 this past weekend over, with over 300 yards. Like, so how can you say No. Um, but, yeah, those are my two biggest gripes, two two biggest weaknesses right now. The running game is excellent. You have excellent playmakers everywhere, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. The defense is improving rapidly. Defensive line, linebackers, they're great, fantastic, amazing. You can tell Brian Osamo is going to get a lot of playing time. Um, but defensive backs and quarterback play right now are the biggest biggest weaknesses. I know it sounds funny. At Brady Does Sports, as you hear my dog bark in the background, Brady Trantham says, When are we going to brunch as a family? Um, Brady, you know, when you are not busy, and Brady's a wonderful guy, by the way, great hair, covers the Oklahoma City Thunder, has podcasts for the franchise, OK82 OK for the Thunder, and the Inside OU podcast, where he hangs out with uh, Rufus Alexander and John Hoover. Great guy, does a lot of work, great podcast. Uh, can't say enough about this guy. Um, eyes are amazing, by the way. Uh, anyways, when are go to brunch as a family, well, Brady, we, we have an opportunity to do that in the November, the weekend of the Iowa State game, but you'll be at Chesapeake Arena covering the Thunder both days. And, um, you know, and my sister, I I'm just saying, She's gonna be here, and she said, "Hey, are you bringing my husband?" As I said, and I said, "You'll be busy, so I mean, we'll, we'll have to figure it out a different day, or we can all just fly to Las Vegas together for the Super Bowl, or we can all just take a family trip to Santa Monica or Los Angeles and hang out there." So I'm just just throwing it out there. And for those that, yep, you know, actually, I'm not gonna explain that one. I'm just gonna let that one go. At the at OU girl, the blonde girl, uh, Robin is a fantastic woman. She's probably one of the best people I know on Twitter. Um, she just hashtag pod dog and I keep I keep on forgetting what the what the statement or the background of that even means but I think she wants me to talk about just a dog like a dog of the day so I'm gonna go with my own dog right now her name is Lexi she's half Siberian and not half Siberian Husky she's half Husky half German Shepherd she's older and she's starting to get like arthritis in her back, but she's still adorable. Loves walks. Uh, 10 out of 10 wood pet again, and she's wonderful. Uh, Jacob K. Thundermob at Thundermob405 says, Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, Jalen Hurts. Got to F one, kill one, marry one. Go. <laughs> Dude, I, I, hate, I hate Jacob so much. Jacob's actually my best friend in real life. And uh, he does a lot of work for the Thunder stuff, and I think he's actually going to start covering the OKC Blue. Uh, he, he has a podcast at the uh, the un- underscore Uncontested. A lot of good stuff coming out of there too. And um, I think he writes for Hoops Habit. You know, makes a lot of quiche over there. But he sent me this, and I I said I hated him, but it's it's a good question. So let's look, let's answer it. Got a F one, kill one, marry one, link. Alex Grinch, Jalen Hurts. Well, let's say this one. Um, if I had to marry one, it would certainly be Lincoln Riley. The guy is a nice guy. He's very genuine. Um, I don't care if he cheats on me. Uh, he has a lot of money, and if he get divorced, I'm not signing a prenup, so I'm taking half. So there's that. Um I guess F one. We don't we don't discriminate on this podcast. All three of these are men and I'm also a man, but hey, don't discriminate against lifestyles. Say the F one. Um uh, let's go with uh Alex Grinch, sure. I don't, I don't know. It kinda terrifies me. He's got a very hoarse voice. He seems pretty intense. But hey, whatever. We don't discriminate against lifestyles and whatever. I'm just gonna keep on moving on <laughs> with that one. And Mary one or not Mary one, and Killwin, I'm really sorry, Jalen. I mean, J- Jalen, if you're listening to this podcast like you are a friend of the pod, as I know, um, you follow Bicker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and you were the only option left after the millions of dollars you're not making right now. We can revisit this topic any year when you're drafted, Jalen, but right now you're in the one stack, bro. I'm really sorry. So, anyways... Next question is from Gonzo Strangelove, which is, <laughs> I don't know what they handle is, but hey, I'm digging it, at Gonzo Strangelove. Love spelled with an L-U-V there, though. So he says, other teams currently most likely to get into the playoffs, which ones do you think would pose the greatest test for OU? Um, give me anybody out of the SEC. Actually, no, nay. I think Oklahoma could keep up with the SEC folks. Give me Ohio State, because they play good offense. I mean... Ohio State's looks really, really great. They haven't played in many people, but their defense looks legit. Their offense with Justin Fields looks, le- excuse me, looks legit. Uh, banged up Tua. There are there are clear flaws in Alabama's defense. They're still growing. LSU's got some flaws. I think Oklahoma can run a score up on them, and I think Oklahoma can stop them more than LSU can stop Oklahoma. So I would say not Clemson, uh, but I would say maybe Ohio State. And maybe Alabama, but I would definitely say Ohio State right now. Next question comes from Trevor Lewis, who's a a, a lifelong friend of mine since high school, and I'm, I'm 28 right now, so I mean this this friendship goes back over 10 years. The Trevor Lewis, at Trevor Lewis 24, says: Assuming Lincoln Riley departs this year for the NFL, not a debate on if it's going to happen. Who's on the target list for the potential head coach? Do you go for Urban Meyer? Is Grinch still too new? <laughs> oh, man. Trevor, dude, that's a good question. I was just talking about this in a group message the other day. And um, I don't think Grinch is ready. Now Lincoln Riley says he believes that Grinch possesses all the good qualities to be head coach. Donald Grinch says he doesn't really have that itch right now to become a head coach, which he's going to say that regardless of what he thinks. He's going to say that. And um, I said, yeah, oh, hell yeah, bring in Urban Meyer. And I know people, that's not that's not the thing people want to hear, but you know what? Urban Meyer is familiar with Alex Grinch. Urban Meyer is a proven winner. Urban Meyer has won several national titles wherever he's been. He proved that he could win in Utah. He proved he could win in Florida. He proved that he could win at Ohio State. Were they the most clean programs? No. But are the most winningest programs the most clean programs in the country? Also, no. So keep that in mind. I wouldn't hire Urban Meyer. I really, I really just I wouldn't. And I think Grinch is still too new, by the way, to take over the reins of a program like Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley had an accelerated track since he was a student coach under Mike Leach. Uh, otherwise, it's a little bit different. But, yeah, I would go with Urban Meyer. I see nothing wrong with that. And the next question comes from Caleb Coos at Coos underscore C. Who had the bigger impact, Duran Neal or Trevor Knight? Uh, man, that's a good question. Let's go with – trying to get me in trouble, Caleb. Um, let's go with Trevor Knight, you know, um, I saw Trevor now on campus this past weekend. He looks jacked. By the way, he, his muscles are much bigger than they than I remember them. And um, you know, he was a he had he had transient quadriplegia at one point when he was basically disabled for a moment during the Baylor game in two thousand fourteen. That I will try to forever erase from my memory. And um, let's just say I gotta abort this mission. I'm going to abort this question. All right. Moving on to Sooner Tracker. Sooner Tracker. At Sooner Tracker, Justin says, What happens first? Trace Sermon scores a touchdown, or in the sake of the NBA season starting today, or I guess when you're listening to this tomorrow, Andre Robertson starts a game. You know, um, that's a good question. I would say Trey Sermon's going to score a touchdown against Kansas State. Uh, all hands on deck. They're going to need a very physical game plan for Kansas State, and I think Trey Sermon's going to be a lot of it. Lincoln I was gonna say he's not in the doghouse. Lincoln Ryan was gonna say he's played the second most snaps like all year. Um but you know Kenny a. Brooks got a lot of touches. Ramondre Stevenson's got the touches. Jalen Hurts, is he taking away touches from Trey Sermon? Yeah, he is. And I'm kinda side note, I'm kinda glad he is because that means Trey Sermon's gonna come back next year to up his draft stock. But hey, um Trey Sermon's gonna score a touchdown before anything else. Red dirt sport. Also known as a long-time Dallas Renegades fan account. He said, predict the number of rooster kickoffs for the rest of the year. Well, let's look at the schedule week by week. All right, we have got we have Oklahoma, of course, going to Kansas State. And that's already 11 a.m. And what Oklahoma has left is a home game versus ranked Iowa State after the bye week and away game at McLean Stadium in Waco um, against a ranked Baylor team. TCU at home and at Oklahoma State in Bedlam. Let me give me um, Oklahoma will play a rooster kickoff. They'll play a rooster kickoff against Iowa State and TCU. I think Bedlam and Baylor will both be evening games because they're important, especially as we get into late November. I'll say that. William from at NJ Boomer Sooner says if head ball coach Stoops was still here, well, we still have the same defensive coordinator, Mike Stoops. William, what do you think? I said about it in the book. Bob Stoops literally said, and "The hardest thing he had ever had to do as a coach is to let go." Josh Heupel, who's not even blood to him. Lincoln Riley, in the book. By the way, guys, buy the book or the audiobook. Listen to it. I don't care, either if you're an audiovisual learner or if you're learner by reading text. Buy that dang book. Read what he has to say. There's a lot of good information in there, especially the Beaumont story. Oh, my gosh, it's great. Anyways, Lincoln Riley had to call Bob Stoops. I mean, he didn't have to, but he wanted to get Bob Stoops' advice before firing Mike Stoops. Let that sink in. The man is already in control of the program, Lincoln Riley. He calls Bob Stoops on, on his advice, and really... It's kind of like, you know, marrying somebody, getting a blessing for firing Mike Stoops. And Bob said, you know, he could see positives and negatives to it. And I'm like, no, no positive, just negative. As far as like the man has created nothing but negative things towards the university towards that last bit of his tenure. So I believe Mike Stoops will still be the coordinator. But who knows? It took like, because if Oklahoma is still competing nationally... And Bob Soup sees nothing wrong with that, then hey, yeah, sure. But if Mike Soup is still the offensive coordinator, I mean, excuse me, if Mike Soup is still the defensive coordinator and Bob Soup is still the head coach right now, I highly doubt Lincoln O'Reilly is still the offensive coordinator of Oklahoma. I bet he's a head coach somewhere. But that's a good question. Next question comes from Jess. Oh, that's a great app. At, at Boy 42 Why is number 83, Nick Basquin starting a wide receiver? He's a good receiver, but is he truly better than the young freshman on the sidelines? Well, Manish Boy slash Jess, go back and look at the Texas game. Did you see many people that were young at all even play against Texas? Jaden Hazelwood didn't play. You saw a lot of C.D. Lamb, though. And Nick Baskins out there. I mean, like, he starts the game, but they filter in a lot of players. And it's just a matter of blocking knowing the offense well, getting things on on a script, getting things on time, and Nick Basquin provides that. He provides that crutch. He knows the offense better than anybody else. Uh, he, he Nick Basquin knows that offense better than the quarterback. He's an extension of Lincoln Riley on the field. He's been in the offense so long. He knows what's going on, so it's good to have a Nick Basquin out there. Um is he more talented than the other ones? No. But is he a true system guy? 100%. And Nick Basquin will always give you 100%. So That's what I'm going with. Uh, Matt, the Prayer Report, Prayer Report OU says, what's worse, his takes or his NCAA defensive strategy? Um, First of all, your takes are worse, Matt. Um, Anybody that follows the Prayer Report, uh, Matt likes spicy takes. He likes getting into pointless arguments with people that don't deserve the time of day or people that uh, they don't deserve Matt's time of day. Or vice versa. I don't know. They should just stop talking. Matt should stop arguing. Matt, stop arguing with random people on Twitter. It's stupid. Come on. you got to be better than that. Anyways, what's worse than your takes and your defensive strategy on NCAA football is your offensive strategy. By the way, Matt got his offensive identity from me, which was ground and pound, keep ball, control the clock if you make a mistake, Like, you know, for example, if I force you into a turnover, I'm going to punish you on the ground. But what Matt has done is taken that and taken it to the extreme, which is, of course, extreme amount of flattering because he's trying to imitate me, which is adorable and I love it. He also does the same thing, which he just ground and pound, runs the ball. But also from the very beginning, from kickoff, this man is killing the clock. To like one or two seconds left on the play clock, to where he will take up entire quarters, so you cannot have the ball. That's just bad football. And then he complains if you take your quarterback and roll outside the pocket and let a route break off its route tree and get a get a just like you know a comeback route from a wide receiver, or uh, if you roll your quarterback out of the pocket and just rush with the quarterback for eight yards. He hates quarterback runs, and he calls it. Um, he says it's a. He says. It's a weak move and it's 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 not football and it's for wussies, which I think is outlandish because he's playing keep away with the football. So <clears throat> Boomer Sooner seventy two or B Sooner seventy two says, Do you think the tight ends will be used more later in the season as wrinkles that can't be seen on film by other teams? You know what? Um Boomer Sooner seventy two. I think part of that's Jalen Hurts. I don't, think, I don't think they're not passing to the tight ends as a design. Again, a lot of things the tight ends are doing are being in the middle of the field and running seam routes. What is Jalen Hurts not particularly that good at running seam routes? He's not comfortable with throwing over the middle as far as throwing through traffic. And a lot of times, Mark Andrews, Grant Calcaterra, these guys that have been found by Baker, Mayfield, and Kyler Murray, they, they, they threw over the middle through some traffic and they have the ball skills necessary to do so. And I think Jalen Hurts is being safe. And um, so, no, I don't I, I don't think that it's going to be a wrinkle. I just think that's the way Jalen Hurts is comfortable. And I think that's one of the developments that Lincoln Ryan wants to see from him. He's like, hey, you know, throw the ball to Calc. He's a great safety blanket, and he's a great receiver. When you've seen Lee Morris, when you've seen Grant Calcaterra catch the ball, it has never really been them sitting in a zone over a linebacker. It's been them in stride. So keep that in mind uh sko, sco s-c-o sco says we all know the gif of the sooner crash of the schooner crash is gonna trend like crazy when OU loses next when do you think that happens big 12 title game um uh, yep let's just say big 12 title game i have nothing else to say on that daryl um from just okay um daryl has a really great podcast the just okay podcast as well where they cover Oklahoma City Thunder and the University of Oklahoma athletics. Uh, Daryl and Troy, great guys, uh, great podcast, but even better guys, real solid dudes. Listen to the podcast, subscribe to them too, give them five stars. They're wonderful. Um, Daryl says, "What name is not being talked about in the recruiting? Talked about in recruiting, but could end up as part of the twenty deep class. How warm is Tom Herman's seat Did they lose another game this season after nearly losing to Kansas? Well, let's let's first let's say this." Um, anybody not talking about Dante Manning is out of their minds. People are talking about Dante Manning. Um, and he says like he loves OU, but a lot of people are talking about Dante Manning. Something that people are not talking about that is not a part of the 20 deep class is Marvin Mims. Mims is a great receiver. Great guy out of Texas. Currently committed to Stanford. He may be wavering, because Stanford, apparently, as we know, they don't throw the ball that much. And Oklahoma, well, with the Spencer Rattler coming in next year, or Spencer Rattler already here next year, and Brock Vandergrift coming in two years, Oklahoma's going to throw the ball a lot more and a lot more effectively next year with the Spencer Rattler. Sorry, Tanner Mordecai, also front of the pod. The only hang-up here is that Oklahoma has a lot of depth at wide receiver. Uh, they have a lot of talent, but at the same time, Oklahoma will take Marvin Mims 100%. But if he's afraid of you know, getting beat out by other guys, uh, do you really want a player that's afraid of talent? Do you really want a player that's afraid to compete? If you want that person, then shame on you. Uh, because Oklahoma, as we've known, especially on offense, they have the best collection of talent on offense. And uh, if you're afraid to compete, you don't deserve to be on the same field as them. Now, Herman C no uh is Herman's seat how how warm is the seat I see uh, it's not warm at all it's Texas now people are gonna get really angry because they lost the red river rivalry shootout whatever you want to call it and then they had a close call against Kansas after making fun of Oklahoma after saying oh you only lost you only beat Kansas by 25 points and then they should have lost to Kansas in Austin um it's I don't think it's that hot if they went out and go to the Big 12 title game, I mean nobody cares. If they lose to Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game, they'll you know moan and complain, but they'll be like, "Well, I mean Oklahoma's got another transfer quarterback and they're really good again." Uh, nobody cares. Um, but next year, if Tom Herman with Ellinger again loses to another Sooner quarterback, think about this: Sam Ellinger's lost to Baker Mayfield. He's lost to Kyler Murray. He's lost to Jalen Hurts. And if Sam Ellinger loses to a Spencer Rattler next year, four different sooner quarterbacks in three years, Tom Herman's going to have some serious issues, especially when Texas is, quote-unquote, back, which is normal. Texas is back to where they normally are, number two in the Big 12. Look at the Big 12 since 1998. Who's dominated it? Oklahoma. Who's second always? Texas or Nebraska. That this is normal for Texas. Oh, they won the Sugar Bowl. Fantastic! Great, they're back. Yes, you're back to second in the Big Twelve, where you belong. Now, what Texas Regents and donors think about that—that's one thing. But what is history saying? That's another. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's not warm at all. Um, but we'll see what happens next year. And the last question I got is from Kirkland. Are we going to see Marcus Hicks anytime soon? No, you're not. He's going to shirt. He's 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 not ready yet. He's there physically, but not mentally. Stripling, though, uh, great. Fantastic. I'm loving to see Stripling. Loving to see David Aguebu. Loving to see all those young guys on the field right now that can compete at a high level. You get those guys in a in a in basically a training pod with Benny Wiley for uh, an offseason, and they will be... Just as amazing as Ronnie Perkins has been this year. Oklahoma's defensive class from last year has been nothing short of spectacular, especially across the defensive line and linebacking core. Those guys are hungry. They're great. They're amazing. Um, and they can get even better. Long, athletic, beefed up guys. Calvin Thibodeau and Brian Adams are grateful for that. And um, that's it. So thank you guys for all the questions. I got like 19, 18, something around I got so many questions to where this podcast is nearly an hour long. I was only expecting it to be 30 minutes, but hey, so here it is. But hey, make sure you guys are following us on the website at CrimsonCreamMachine.com. A lot of stuff dropping daily. And uh, we have a bunch of great writers. uh, Seth, Kardik, Austin, uh, Jack, of course, the editor-in-chief. And I, I contribute sometimes. Um, I'm most notably recruiting. And um, follow Jack on Twitter and follow us on Twitter. You know at CC Machine. Uh, follow me, Cameron Robin at Cameron Robin CCM. Follow Alan Kenny. That he has a great podcast and him and his brother do great work. And he's just a great football mind at BlatantHumorism.com. Again, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on every podcast you can find one. Go ahead and give us a five star review. We really appreciate it. We really, really, really appreciate the listeners. And it just lets us know how we're doing. And it helps us know that you guys appreciate us as much as we appreciate you. So until next time, we'll check you guys later.